You're listening to Once, episode 335, Breadcrumbs. Welcome back to Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Jeremy. I'm Aaron. And we are here to talk about breadcrumbs, the episode. <laughs> Not the food. Not the food. <laughs> uh, so I knew this title in advance. I believe I alluded I to that fact in the last podcast. You alluded to the fact that you know know all of the titles when you said Aaron definitely does not know the titles. Right. I you know, I used to actually read the titles ahead and actually think about them. Now I just kind of see them. I go, oh, that's interesting. So for example, knowing that there was a title called of or there was an episode entitled Breadcrumbs when we met Gretel was interesting to me, except it helped with the surprise when she died. <laughs> because I thought she was just gonna be in the show. But alas, I don't know. My thoughts on this episode are disjointed, much like the episode itself. Yes. We had some really good feedback from Keeper of Squid Ink that says, seriously, is someone writing this season with the author's pen with the vial of squid ink? <laughs> I, I don't even know what that means precisely, but I understand <laughs> the implication. Yes. <laughs> we do the episode now in a thematic format so that we're not going scene by scene and pulling it apart in a way that it doesn't really need to be pulled apart. But the thing is, so I'm going through and trying to pick the themes out of this plot and I just couldn't do it, which isn't terrible in the sense that it made it kind of wove itself together or it was woven together rather with, one character moving from one plot line to the next. So Henry kind of started out on this, I might move to New York, right? Yeah. He's like, I might New move York. to New York. But next thing you know, he's kind of involved in the hunt for the killer. And then he's kind of back in that. And then he's in the, the Hansel thing. So that was, it was kind of cool in one sense. But if you're looking for actual plot lines, it was very difficult. Cause then suddenly you're over with Tilly making beignets and you're like why are we back on beignets like <laughs> but i mean i didn't i didn't not enjoy it but i was just like how does this even fit with the overall story it's just sort of the story of tilly continuing on which is fine because i love her but you know <laughs> yeah it's funny that was the most disjointed part of the episode the whole like segue that they did with tilly yeah but it was like for me the most enjoyable because the other part was kind of boring. <laughs> oh, well, did I not just say, what was it, two weeks ago about how I feel about pirate flashbacks? <laughs> and yes, how you did. I felt that Ahab was a stand in because they couldn't get Blackbeard, and there's freaking Blackbeard. <laughs> like, well, what, what is this? <laughs> did they listen to me and just be like, oh, well, you thought that was boring? <laughs> Plus, we got some timeline feedback specifically about what you just said, oh. saying, shouldn't Blackbeard be Whitebeard at this time? <laughs> so DeAndre, oh. 
emailed us and said, it's interesting that Smee and Blackbeard haven't aged a day, and yet they are both Wish Realm characters and should be old and gray as the only as the only one who was aged down was Nook in episode seven two, A Pirate's Life. So I'm pretty sure Blackbeard should be Whitebeard at this time. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they were, because I honestly, I can't even remember. Is Black is the Blackbeard we knew first dead? I don't even know. <laughs> and I don't remember what became of the Smee we knew. Because... I feel like we just saw Smee in that last pirate episode, though, didn't we? Boy, I you know I can't. Yeah, when Hook, <laughs> well, we just saw Smee when Nook was challenged to to the fight with the pirate guy, and that was that was after that was when Alice was stuck in the tower as a child. So this would have been much later. Hmm. <laughs> well. We'll leave. This is equivalent to doing math on a podcast, yep. isn't it? I think we banned figuring out timelines on the podcast. Not banned entirely. Not in a. It's more of a guideline. Huh? Huh? Pirate. That was a pirate joke from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> if you have to explain your jokes, you have to walk the plank. But speaking of walking the plank, <laughs> the, so it was. It was really boring. You know, honestly. I think that I not like I literally slept through the pirate <laughs> battle on the Jolly Roger both times I watched the episode. But I did wake up through my second viewing in time to see <laughs> that it was all a ruse anyway. Yeah, that was kind of well, it was cliched anyway. I think the whole thing was cliched except at the end. Then I really, really liked it. Um, it was like, I think it was kind of adorable that they were trying to set him up like as if he was a 10 year old that yeah. wasn't going to figure it out. It was kind of good. I mean, by that point, it just, I just felt like they spent too long on the parts where I was just like, yep, stowing away, pirates, swords, blustering, blah, 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 who gets control of the ship, blah, blah, blah. And then it twisted and I liked that, but. The, you liked the twist? I did like the twist. Would have been cool if it came a little sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I loved like the lesson of the ruse. Even if I didn't like the journey that they went on, I liked the ending. Okay. I loved his proposal. We had to the Ella. same we had the same reaction then. <laughs> okay. He <laughs> gets to the end and I was actually even starting to make a note like, can this be the end of insecure Henry? Please, like, like once he legitimately saved the day, yeah. And once he realized that he doesn't have to be extraordinary, yes. he doesn't have to be this big, you know, famous hero. I loved that that storyline. I joked with you earlier that we needed to start like a new segment called like Life Lessons with Aaron <laughs> or something. Yes. We're working on the titles and in your suggestions. But um it's the next podcast. <laughs> there's this whole like I feel like in our culture there's this whole idea that like if you're not it's like go big or go home. Like you have to be extraordinary. Yes. And that being mediocre isn't acceptable anymore. But like what if all you want is like a mediocre life? There's I've read an amazing blog that's just called that. What if I want all I want is a mediocre life? Yep. What if all I want is 
what Henry says in this, like his, I want to just read his proposal to Ella because it was so beautiful. He said, I don't know how my story goes. I wasn't born in a land with magic and I may not get the fairy tale life with a perfect ending, but you are the best and bravest woman that I've ever met. And if you could take a leap of faith with me, I would like to build a house right here for the two of us and see what kind of a life we can make together. It's just a pretty ring. And just like this lake, it doesn't come with anything else. I can't offer you a legend, but I can offer you my heart. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. And even before that, when he concluded that he doesn't need a great story, he said, I just want a great life, the best life I can make with the people I love. Exactly. That's all most of us can hope for anyway. And look at the people who are famous or bigger than life, as they say. They're not often all that happy. So we're going to be happier being content with simple things. And we may have what those people wish they had, but we might be unhappy too because we're not content with it. So I, yes, that was worth the price of admission going through all the piratey <laughs> things just to get to that. Um, it really reminded me of The Fault in Our Stars, which I don't know if you've read, but there's this big line about being afraid of oblivion and that there's really going to be a time when all of us are dead, even the greatest people and like oblivion is inevitable. And so it doesn't really matter like how great you are. And I really, <laughs> I don't know. I just like that idea that you make your mark on the world in a little way and that goes a long way and it doesn't have to be this big, famous, extraordinary thing. Yeah. Although I don't believe in oblivion. I feel like if I did, I'd think <laughs> that I needed to make this life like the biggest exciting thing it could be because that's all there is. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, <laughs> either way, this I liked. I liked this a lot. It's nice that that's all we really have to say about that whole. <laughs> oh, I mean, I have section. other stuff to say, but we don't really even have to. <laughs> Something we should say that we didn't know to say in the last episode, but we got a lot of feedback was about Flynn's barcade. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> I, I thought of a Flynn that could be the connection, but I missed a, a much bigger really because apparently it's from Tron, which I have never seen. And I have, but only once. And um. it's not a fairy tale. So it's a fun Easter egg. I don't know uh, if it was a barcade in Tron, but... It was an arcade. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but apparently uh, Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz wrote the screenplay of that. Really? That's what some of our feedback said. That was feedback from Michelle. So she said, uh, the main character is called Kevin Flynn, played by Jeff Bridges. Also, the screenplay and story is by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. I just looked it up on IMDb just to fact check, and it's true. Okay, there we go. They're listed, the two of them are listed for screenplay, and they, along with two others, are listed for story. That's That's fun. crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> I didn't realize that they did that or that they had time to do that. It's pretty great. 
Well, they're not even writing Once Upon a Time, and clearly there hasn't been a whole lot of oversight this season. <laughs> oh, Once Upon a Time has been the unsupervised series. <laughs> well, just this season, at least. <laughs> that is all right. Actually, you know what, though? Tron Legacy came out in 2010. Oh, that was before yeah. once even started, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. <laughs> I was like, wait, season seven, it's 2018. Oh, my math skills are still good. I'm I'm actually a little <laughs> shocked that it's been that long since that movie came out. Maybe I should watch it. Yeah. Well, have you seen the original? Nope. I think you should watch that first somehow. Okay. It's difficult. Somehow. Like you, well, if you try to buy it. It's hard from what I remember at the time, at least at the time the new one was getting ready to come out. I'm like, this movie's from 1982, and I would have to spend $50 to buy the VHS. It's like, probably at the library now. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you'll just always have more money than I do. Actually, I have no <laughs> idea what our budgets are, but... <laughs> No, I didn't buy it. I just never got to rewatch the original before the new one came out. And I was a little sad about that. But I had seen it when I was a kid. All right. They're so both the library weird. does have it. <laughs> Update. But it's lost. Oh, of course it is. You know what? I'll bet that rings a bell. I think I did even check that. I guess people think, oh, whoops, I, uh, oh, I lost the, it. The, the Blu-ray is not lost. So there you go. The Blu-ray is not lost. And if we gave Just our episodes DVD. individual titles, that would be the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> if this were an episode of The Ramen Noodle, the podcast that uh, that Daniel and I used to do at theramennoodle.com. <laughs> I shouldn't admit that in the podcast, probably. <laughs> that This would be the title. The Blu-ray is not lost. Podcast. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, so, in Once Upon a Time, which we talk about sometimes, <laughs> I less and less as the season goes on. True. I would like to add that Prince Henry of Storybrooke is pretty accurate. And maybe true, I don't understand why he ever left in search of, quote, his own story. I never I understood think... that reasoning, even the way he started this episode out saying, I don't want to just be a character in someone else's story. It's like, well, everybody could feel that way. Like, what was the story you came from? Was it Emma's story? Was it Regina's story? Was it the Charming story? Everybody was characters in everybody else's story, and you are the grandson of Snow White and Prince Charming, and you brought Storybrooke's savior back to break the curse. And apparently fight the final battle. <laughs> like, that's pretty... Why did you think you should go realm jump and find, what, some other storybook that you're already in? Which makes no sense. I don't know what the goal was. So I'm glad it's over. I feel like, much like Margot with a T <laughs> at the end, it's <laughs> just what, like, 17, 18-year-olds do. Like, they need to find like their independence and figure out where they fit in the world. And they need to do that without their parents. And like, while most 17, 18 year olds get a chance to go away to university or go get a big boy job or something, <laughs> when you live in Storybrooke, 
big boy job. <laughs> it's not really possible to break free of your family and of like the stereotypes that they put on you or just like those yeah. expectations. Just like Margot said, it's like it's insufferably quaint. Insufferably quaint. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. I'm allergic to quaint. <laughs> I choked on the air. Hashtag talent. Do you think that slaying dragons is what the charming family does best? I believe there has been an epic moment with both Emma and David slaying a dragon with this sword. Yes. Why does Henry have charming sword? Probably because he gave it to him. Is it because, <laughs> quote, this family is done fighting? <laughs> it's probably because the Ford broke down and so sword and Ford <laughs> doesn't work anymore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that would be a reasonable thing for him to bring on his, like, adventure to go find himself. Yeah, I just don't remember. He left on a motorcycle and I don't remember seeing a sword and I feel like it would have been prominent that's true do you know i just realized this really is the exact same thing as like robin having to realize that she doesn't need to like uphold her father's legacy because she's a different person and she had his bow and arrow or a bow and arrow that was very symbolic of him and now henry's trying to do the same thing but really like charming slayed the dragon that he slayed for a very big purpose and then emma slayed the dragon for an even greater purpose, perhaps that's where the true love potion that brought magic back to Storybrooke was, if I'm not mistaken, from seven years ago. <laughs> right. And it's almost like there's too much peace now. And so Henry's like trying to create drama so that he can have that legacy too. Yeah, which is not the life I had planned out for him. No. <laughs> That's not how well, living happily ever after always has to work. It's not the life that I envisioned when I witnessed him running through the forest in a time of great upheaval in the enchanted forest. But <laughs> we don't need to reopen that wound. <laughs> Do you know what I was thinking about today when when I was watching like the scene with Lucy and Jacinda? I was like, did they cast Jacinda first or Lucy first? Because Lucy was in an episode last season, but Jacinda wasn't in an episode until this season. Right. But they would have had to cast them together because they look alike. And so that, like, that is where my thoughts were going during this episode, <laughs> not anything else. That's awesome. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, well, I mean... I guess I think that clearly Lucy was cast at some point, and I don't know when they cast Ella slash Jacinda, but I feel like that news started to come out during the hiatus. Yeah. And so, I mean, they wouldn't necessarily have had to be cast together, I don't think. No, just the accent thing still bugs me. Yes, but at least that's a little more believable. Oh, wait, you mean because... Just Ella has, has the accent and, and nobody, nobody else does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it would have made sense for somebody to at least try. 
<laughs> All right. Yeah. Now I do. I do want to bring out one line. I just want to bring it to everybody's attention. If it wasn't already <laughs> in the forefront of your mind after watching this episode, I trust any hook to safely pilot any vessel in any realm. Huh. And my reaction was that one day these poor writers are going to weep when they realize what they've done. What have they done? The idea of once upon a time was fantastic enough without creating, without bringing like a string theory universe, <laughs> a multiverse into the picture where there can be multiple copies of Captain Hook. It, it, it's nothing I haven't complained about before. It's just that it was such a broad statement. Just you imagine just realm after realm after realm throughout the multiverse with dozens or hundreds or an infinite number of copies of Hook out there piloting ships and doing whatever. And it's like, well, wow, this is really not a thing that's usually a part of your mind when you're thinking about, I should say, this is really not a thing that you're, is usually on your mind when you're thinking about a fairy tale. <laughs> it just, it just, it was one of those moments that made me pull back and look at the whole series and where it started and where it's ended up with multiple copies of characters just because. And I just, I, I cried a little. My heart shed a single tear. So consider this. I don't even know if this is going to work, but. Consider how many actual versions of Captain Hook there are in our world. Like all the different stories, all the different versions, all the different fairy tales. I feel like that could be almost like a throw to that. Well, that's what they've tried to imply. Even with the opening scene with Henry, but my take on it was always that somehow the stories had gotten to our world and been written down by people who remembered them imperfectly. And that accounted for the multiple versions of the same story of the real people rather than just different versions, almost as if the books created the characters somehow. Yeah. I don't know. Now you got me thinking of like the never ending story and Fantasia <laughs> and how spoiler alert, dot 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 <laughs> Sorry. i was trying to give like a good spoiler warning and how Thank at you. the end of the never-ending story when fantasia was destroyed the way that it was remade was through bastian's wishes for how it was going to be and arguably if some other kid was also reading the book at the same time, that kid would have just as much influence and would perhaps create a whole new world with a whole new set of all of these characters. It, I don't know. Weird. It's a mind twist for sure. Yeah. I'm going to have to think about that one for a little while. Hopefully I don't create <laughs> any uh, alternate universes while I'm thinking. <laughs> I think until I started watching this show and doing research and commenting and like even when i first came on and i was the the alice in wonderland expert like <laughs> even i didn't know how many versions 
of Alice in Wonderland there were and how many takes there were and how much it's included in pop culture. And whoever runs Wikipedia does a great job (laughs) because, you know, they have a whole pop culture section on a lot of their pages where you can see like all the times Alice in Wonderland has been rewritten and included in some other version. And then I've seen like what made me think of that is I went to a play, I think two years ago that was called Peter and the Starcatcher. And it was, you know, like another twist on Peter Pan that was completely different from any one that I had ever seen before, but it was also amazing. And it was also based on this book series that has these characters being different. Yeah. I guess for me, I mean, that's what drew me to Once Upon a Time anyway, is I like different takes and different tellings. I just don't necessarily like them to coexist and and interact. Or for there to be multiple copies of the same version right alongside other characters who are different versions and not copies. (laughs) We have an exact duplicate hook who is the father of a not duplicate but second version of Alice. Except that, you know, in in that one theory that I brought up, she's almost not even really another version of that Alice. She grew up reading the story of Alice in Wonderland, and Wonderland is a real place in their universe, and she is named Alice, and therefore she became an Alice in Wonderland and other places. <laughs> so, I don't know. It uh, it's It's a little messy. It is very messy. And I think that we would be perfectly satisfied if they had gone to a completely different realm and had duplicates of the characters, but all of them were duplicates. Yes. And the walls were a little more... Like, Star Trek used to do that a lot. Not a lot, a lot, but they'd have different... There was there was an alternate universe that came up starting in kind of the original series. And then they did nods to it by doing episodes featuring the same alternate universe in other shows. And it was just a darker place. And usually they had really mean versions of the same people who were Hmm. good guys in the main show. But then once in a while they would do a thing where at least one next generation episode that comes to mind, I'm nerding out again. uh, (laughs) There was like, this really weird alternate dimension breakdown and there were suddenly hundreds of copies of the enterprise and different you could tell just by moments talking to characters on other ships that their histories were very different but they were the same people by and large and it was you know that was interesting but it was kind of one episode and once things were righted all the others disappeared and you're like okay that's weird to know that they're out there but okay <laughs> I think I've shared this before on the podcast, but I've only, I don't know how many episodes of Star Trek I've seen, but the last one I remember watching was completely traumatizing and I was really, really little. Whoa. And so I never watched it again. Which one? Which one? There was like an invisible girl killing people. Oh, I think you did talk about this and I think I still don't remember it. (laughs) Oh, wait. I think she had red hair. And she killed the one alien who had like the curly, dark, long hair that wore the burgundy outfit. <laughs> That's a fantastic description. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna find this out. I think I know what you're talking about, and I think it, you know, as with many, you know, what a coincidence! Star Trek: The Next Generation had a lot of 
season seven, which was its final season, <laughs> that just stank and made you wish they'd wrapped it up in season six. <laughs> in fact, I would say season seven of Once Upon a Time has been vastly superior to season seven of Star Trek The Next Generation. Both okay, in relation so- to its other seasons and just as a whole, just standalone. <laughs> So do you think the last few episodes where they've seemingly taken all of these like sharp rights or like it's a little disjointed, do you think that that's as a result of them finding out they were not going to have season eight? Not all of it. I feel like if I were these showrunners, I would have assumed when half of my cast left in season six that we would only be getting one more season, especially after we moved to Friday night's. Like, this can't have come as a surprise. I just wish that they had written it like they knew it was the last season. Well, on the one hand, I think that they've written every season. In fact, I think <laughs> I, they said as much in one of the interviews that they've done recently. They've written every season to some degree as though it could be their last, which is why it's felt so many times like they had some epic finale And then they had to backtrack because they had to bring some elements back to the series when they were getting a new season, which has been a major frustration. And I think that this year's probably no different, except that maybe if you're getting a season eight, you can add just a few episodes more to to the story instead of having to work things around to your finale finale. Yeah. Except that they always do the two-hour disconnected finale for the season. So this may honestly just be the pacing that they always had intended. That's true. Unless, you know, they thought, well, we're going to keep a few of these characters around for next year so we don't have to wrap them up. I feel like that's just no way to write a television show. Uh, Sorry, I'm being very critical because I didn't like this episode. (laughs) I feel like I'm just being really critical of... The show this season, it's really just deflection because I'm upset that the show's ending. And so it's coming out as not caring and it's being really, you know, cavalier about it. So forgive me. I love the show. I still do a podcast about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and But there again, as we've said before, when you sometimes watch shows that clearly were written pretty much at least an outline a coherent outline start to finish for the, for at least an entire season and then written and i you know i'm thinking of the shows like on netflix where they're released all together it, it it spoils you a little bit because that's how that's how a movie is the movie is written and made all cohesively coherently even <laughs> and you watch it and there it all is but a tv show It's just so subject to business, really, just like network business that the sometimes the story takes a backseat to the business of television. And it's it's frustrating because that's not what we're there for. We're there for the story. Yeah. (laughs) But in this show, (laughs) in this show, we tend to often just be there for the performances of these fun people that are in the show (laughs) which gets more fun if you do follow them on social media and watch their antics (laughs) (laughs) although lately it's been heartbreaking because just in the last few days they've been rapping for real no and they've been saying goodbye 
Yeah, right. <laughs> but they've all been saying goodbye, and and it's just it's kind of it's bittersweet. It's hard when you do a podcast that's spoiler free. Like I hope that you guys all appreciate this, right? That when I see that picture, I can't even you know like engage or comment or really even see it because I have to be like, oh, I can't see that, and then scroll past. And so it's like this show that's arguably been a pretty significant part of my life for seven years. Like I said, I do do a podcast about it. Um, I don't get to like celebrate the endings or whatever. So I might just, I already know the major spoilers, I guess, about the casting because of those pictures. So I might just enjoy, I might just start to enjoy. I don't think there's any, that's where I am. Yeah. There's no like major plot holes that are going to be, or plot lines that are going to be shared on Instagram. So, yeah. Yeah. So I know who's around, but I don't necessarily know why or what's happening. Right. I did see one thing on Instagram at one point that I thought was a major spoiler, uh, but it turned out that it was just another show, perhaps a better known show (laughs) that Adelaide Kane is or was in, who is the one who plays Drizella. And it looked like she was in a wedding dress, and I thought it was a spoiler for Once Upon a Time, but nope. (laughs) (laughs) That would be really fast. It would. If she was in a wedding dress. (laughs) We haven't even met the fiancé yet. Well, we don't know where the show's going to (laughs) go. They could could jump. It could be, I mean, it, it seems fast to you and I, but maybe not in whatever realm she's in. (laughs) True. <laughs> Speaking of Drizella, do you think that she reported the attempted murder and that's how Weaver and Rogers ended up being there investigating? Uh, more likely Rumpelstiltskin, whose job it is to know secrets, <laughs> just uh, made up some really complicated story for Rogers. <laughs> So that they could go investigate. Yeah. That was an interesting... Well, what I found really creepy and interesting Mm -hmm. was Nick's statement to Henry at the beginning when they were talking. And he said, I tried to land an important client last night and she got away. Did you hear that? No. (laughs) But, you know, he he got a another lead on a new client and you know i think he's going to take another stab at it (laughs) it's so creepy and (laughs) like funny see those are the lines that make me believe that this episode was an espensode it was it was which is a little shocking yes so this is the sad part because usually we enjoy espensodes a little more but some of the lines were so good. And, of course, there's usually some some life lesson stuff that's pretty good, which we've already <laughs> found in this episode. <laughs> but here's the really bittersweet thing. This is our last episode. Wait, does that mean that next week is episode 150? It does. Huh. Next week is episode 150 and directed by Lana Priya. That would maybe explain Lana Priya's absence in this episode. We did get some feedback about just like not, it wasn't like about the absence. It was just like noticing that she was not in this episode at all. Well, you know, Ronnie's been MIA for 
couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> Which hopefully it's because she was directing and not because she's like tied up in another room in Nick's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, which, okay, this whole thing. About Nick? Yeah. Or sorry, Hansel? Yeah. I haven't heard my real name in a long time. So we start out, <laughs> yes, we start out at the at the so-called crime scene, which was really just a garage where Drizella was not murdered. And... <laughs> They talk about how they've been to, what, four crime scenes and they've not found a hair or a footprint and how meticulous he is. Mm-hmm. But then what do they find? What does Rumpelstiltskin find? An entire the book. The gun. An entire book. Like, what? Was it in his back pocket? <laughs> I okay, mean... And then here's my thing. Why didn't they show us that last week? <laughs> like... All of this stuff is seems to come out of left field. Like, show us sh- him, show <laughs> us him dropping the book or something, or it falling out of his car, or like whatever, so that well, we know that they're gonna find it. He found it in like his hiding place in the garage, oh. and I'm going. So what? I'm now I'm picturing him crouched down in the shadows in a parking garage reading henry's book to <laughs> to just sort of confirm to himself yeah 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 that's her that's definitely her i'm gonna go i'm gonna go do this I'm like what why is the book not in your lair why or do you think okay wow plot twist <laughs> do you think weaver maybe planted that book so that like because he probably already knows that hansel is the killer well because there was- he's rumpelstiltskin there was the scene where he kind of, after Rogers left, he kind of goes and looks in the little caged off area in the garage and looked like he oh, found right. something. And I assumed it was the book. You know, it's also possible that he got the book another way and started trying to get Henry to see something in it. But yeah, that's it's weird because why would he need Henry if it was yeah. a plant? I mean, why <laughs> would he need Henry to interpret it? He would just be like, oh, this means this. And Rogers is so clueless, he would just go along with it. <laughs> Which, if any of it was because Rumpel wanted to talk to his grandson, that was a fail because Henry was not there for the conversation. <laughs> um, when did Weaver punch Henry? I forget that. Oh, happened. man, I totally forget, too. Okay. Yep, I'm going to have to go back and uh, <laughs> check a couple things out that this episode dredged up. The well, the scene with them together, with him trying to get Henry, like with them chatting, it was good. I kept writing, like, now Weaver's triggered, now Henry's triggered, <laughs> triggered because <laughs> they talked about New York, and that's where Bay got found. And oh. spoiler alert, Henry has lived there before. <laughs> oh, I forgot these things in this context. And then Henry's all upset because, like, the weight of the world is on him and he just pulls an Emma. (laughs) I don't know what to do. Everything's on me. I can't do this. Is he the age now that Emma was when she came to Storybrooke? Or I guess a little. He's way older. He's he's older, isn't he? (laughs) At least. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I want to say he's 10 years older, but he looks the same age. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. So, 
is Hansel truly awake? <sighs> we did get or, some feedback on that. Because you never know how many layers of weird they're going to do. Like, is he Hansel? Is he... Or is he Nick with some kind of overlaid Hansel-esque curse memories? But they did say in the past that, I mean, he matches the description Mm -hmm. that Gretel gave of Hansel. And yet I don't understand how, if this is how he was, how Henry could have been friends with him for so long. So we did get some feedback on that from Gareth. He talked about Nick's awake status and said, Nick is not magical, so he must have come to Hyperion Heights via the curse. No one who is awake would have had a reason to wake him up, so he is still cursed. The curse twisted rather than erased his memory. He remembers Henry as his enemy, not his friend. So I don't Uh, know about all of that, but I do believe that the curse could have just made him think that he was a serial killer because he's acting like a serial killer. He's saying, then I would have to stop killing Well, Um, no one had a reason to wake him up if we are believing both Gothel and Facilier, neither of whom we saw in this episode. But we're we're assuming that they both are potential targets and therefore would have no reason to turn Hansel loose on everybody. But we don't know that for sure. So do Uh, you think that Jack in the past literally just made friends with Henry? To get close to like his moms, the witches and like, but I just don't understand. Probably not that part, but I mean, could be. Yeah, that's what I don't understand. How could Henry be so seemingly close with him without, I mean, I, I guess the same way that he does it in Hyperion Heights, he's got like a, a switch. (laughs) He can turn it on and he can turn it off. But uh, I, I have to ask you a question that perhaps only you can answer. Okay. Henry's trying to get out of the car, which his excuses were lame enough. But the lamest part of trying to get out of the car of all? Since when do you have to lean across the driver to unlock the doors to the car? Is that This is why I'm wondering, <laughs> is this a Canadian thing? <laughs> No, I think it's a BMW thing. Really? So I I don't think he had to lean across him. I think that the lock button was in the middle, like on the center console. Oh, it looked like he leaned all the way across him. Yeah, BMWs are weird. A lot of cars now do have buttons in the middle for like the windows and the doors. And BMWs, you also have to open the door twice. Like, you know, the little lever that you pull, you have to pull it twice to open a door in a BMW, even when the car's unlocked. Oh. So. Interesting. It, yeah, I thought about that. Like, <laughs> so guys, I work with cars a lot all day. <laughs> it's my job, which is why Jeremy's asking me this question. Well, also just because you're Canadian, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yes, that too. So yeah, I did think about that and I was like, what is, oh, like, is the button on a BMW over there? And I'll look next time I'm in one, which will probably be tomorrow. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I do believe that it is and it's, it's far and he would have had to reach. And I, I'll look again when I'm in a BMW next, but I don't think it has the kind that you can like pull up the, the click, like pull up the lock in your yeah. door. 
Everything's so electronic nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That was weird. I feel like his best bet would have been like elbowing the window or something. (laughs) Or at least playing it cool for a little while. Like, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, not everyone's... (laughs) You go into panic when you're being kidnapped. Uh, Well, so upon the second watch, I felt that although he was starting to act creepy, I don't think Henry was in any danger until he started talking about the investigation. And even then, I'm not sure what would have happened if he had just kept acting completely oblivious, even when he saw the scarring, which was very coincidental timing. Yeah, I did observe that Henry talks way too much. (laughs) That whole part when Henry is locked in Nick's, is that his apartment, I'm assuming? That's a whole question for me because I didn't think Nick lived in Seattle. Oh, well, he's been there a lot then. But it Maybe sure it's his hotel room. doesn't look like Henry's apartment. There were like records on the wall, I think. And like and all the chocolates. Which records on the wall, I don't know how he would have been like that successful since his band sounded stupid. But <laughs> he, I mean, it looked like his apartment. Yeah. So he's in there and their conversation reminded me so much of Emma's conversation with Jefferson in Hat Trick, where she's like, you think you're the Mad Hatter. <laughs> and like, she thinks he's crazy because she's got no <laughs> memories and everyone's cursed. Right. I loved Henry's line. We'll just tell them you're Hansel. They'll think you're crazy, but that could be a good thing for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> At least we know one solid thing about the timeline, and that is that it's been about 24 hours since he tried to kill Drizella. Yeah, I mean, in theory. He did say last night. Yeah. And they, yeah, there were a couple references to it having been the previous day. When Henry was talking about his flat tire, he said, yeah, it's just like your car yesterday. Okay, then yeah, that makes, that all makes sense. Except why would, I guess the glass slipper, like, making his tire go flat was because he was trying to leave and not because Nick was trying to catch him? That was my take because... I don't understand why shards of glass slipper are suddenly showing up anyway, but that's kind of actually season one-ish, so I don't mind it. Yeah. I had forgotten about the shard of glass slipper that they found under the garden the way back this season. Oh, that's... Oh, thank you. Which Henry had in his hand. So it's like, so your sock drawer has like a piece of a glass slipper in it. That's odd. I don't understand it. But cool. I mean, I guess if the storybook can just show up in people's closets, then yeah, part of the slipper. I mean, I don't know why not the whole slipper, but part of the slipper can show up in your drawer. (laughs) Maybe the Hansel storybooks just showed up so that they could find the killer. With all his cray-cray notes in it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would put money on the fact that whoever wrote those notes in real life was a woman. No offense. But why? That was a woman's handwriting, in my opinion. Mm. He's very meticulous. Yep. It's not lawyer handwriting, that's for sure. Is it BMW driver writing? I don't know. <laughs> well, little Hansel. 
<laughs> what do you think's going to happen to Henry? <laughs> I, <laughs> he's just going to get killed by a crazy <laughs> victim of a crazy blind witch who tried to cook children. And they're going to be like, well, why were we trying so hard not to break the curse after all that? <laughs> No, because on our list of demands for the end, there's a not dead or cursed Henry. So true. He can't look die. how those demands have been going. Do you think he's going to save himself, or do you think like I think it would be possible for Rogers, who suddenly remembered how to be a detective, to do some yeah. detectiving, and he could be like, "Oh, there were like really bad burns reported." with this guy or he could go talk to Jacinda. (laughs) Well, Henry is a man, so it's totally okay for him to be rescued on this show. (laughs) (laughs) He could go talk. The detectives could like be looking for Henry and they could go talk to Jacinda and she could be like, Oh, my ex husband has these awful burns on his arms. Uh, They weren't married. She would. Well, they had a baby together. Supposedly. Well, I'm pretty sure she's probably seen his arms. Like the scars were like <laughs> literally on his wrists. He probably wore a t-shirt at least once. <laughs> I don't know. He was rocking that flannel. Or maybe she could make like an offhanded comment to Lucy. And then Lucy could connect it all somehow and save the day. But see, we don't know what how far back the the real memories versus the cursed memories go. So it's possible that, that they were never together and it was just memories. And so it could be that Jacinda's just like, yeah, you know, he's worn long sleeve shirts for as long as I can remember. <laughs> just long sleeve shirts. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's very improbable. I don't even understand the scarring. How does that even happen? Because the witch tried to kill him in an oven. But why both arms and nothing but the arms? Because then he pushed the witch into the oven with his arms. Up to his shoulders? Well, maybe that was how far she had to go in. What about his face that (laughs) that is near his shoulders? But it wasn't his shoulder. Did we see his shoulders being scarred? You know what I think? I think it was just botched tattoo removal. <laughs> it was that necessary. seems to be a trend. <laughs> <sighs> so, I don't know. I think the arm, the burned arms thing is real weird. Especially the way they did it. Did they show his whole arm, though, at the yeah, end? Yeah, they put him in a tank top at the end. Oh, well, that makes perfect. And I feel like it went up pretty far. Maybe it didn't go up as far as I'm remembering. I was like... Okay, so he wears scar sleeves. I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) This is strange. (laughs) But yes, he's creepy. He's very creepy. Mm -hmm. He's got that going for him. Yep. He's good at a subtle crazy in the eyes. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) The show needs more subtlety, so it's it's good. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. He plays serial killer really well he can put that on his next resume yeah speaking of resumes you know what's great to have on your resume hero (laughs) not what i was doing but go for it dang (laughs) uh we we would like to take this opportunity that i've just created to thank our heroes 
Oh my goodness. We, of course, could not do the podcast. We Well, we could do the podcast, but nobody would hear it without our heroes. <laughs> and even as we're headed into the eternal hiatus... Gosh, I just creep myself out. Uh, the costs to keep up the website, keep the podcast available, all that stuff will continue in some form or fashion. We would like to thank, for this episode specifically, Lisa Slack, Lisa R., and Heather Peckfelder. If you would like to look into becoming a hero and joining in keeping this podcast going for the remainder of the season and beyond, uh, check out oncepodcast.com slash hero. These wonderful ladies can add a hero to their resume. And then if you join, you can add hero to your resume. I think that's a great thing to have on a resume. <laughs> I mean, you might not be applying for anything where hero experience is required, but who doesn't want a hero on their team? That was so good. <laughs> In addition to Lisa, Lisa, and Heather, we have a whole bunch of heroes that have joined us on Patreon. And all those options, again, are at oncepodcast.com slash hero. Thank you to all our heroes for your support. Do you know who doesn't have hero on their resume or even really have a resume, but somehow now has a new job? I can think of a few. Tilly with a T at the beginning. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so it was sort of like, and meanwhile in Hyperion Heights, Tilly goes to work. <laughs> I think it was cute to show, well, like, Hook was, Nook was very much being a father to her, walking her to work and dropping her off and making her get a job because of all the jam that she's eating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All that uh, organic marmalade. <laughs> Their banter was cute. I loved his, don't be nervous. Like, that's, I hate when people say that because <laughs> she's like, well, I am nervous. I can't just not be. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and then he was being quite imperious. <laughs> I, lo I love that. Yeah, she's great. That's good. Her beignets were getting better. Her big nets. <laughs> <laughs> I I could have sworn she said bayonet the first time she said it. She said something where she pronounced the T. She's, the like, she's like, my big nets. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, this whole, the whole thing throughout, she's like, oh, look, it's shaped like a real heart. <laughs> like, that's, that's strange. I mean, have you been around many hearts on the outsides of their chest? Because we have. Uh, she probably has. You never know. And now all oncers are triggered. <laughs> like, uh, Regina and her evil queen days. I love Jacinda's. Why is Tilly here? <laughs> I know. Bad. Like, gosh, Jacinda, you're really in your own world again today. For a second, I thought that Tilly was supposed to be selling the samples. Like, I didn't realize they were samples and they were like, go sell beignets. And then I was like, she's going to have given them all away. I know. Like, that's going to that... be what's happened. And then she's going to have failed at her job. So I like that they didn't do that. I think Sabine is an awesome boss. <laughs> she was very patient. Because she's, she's like, why don't you go up front and sell? 
until he's like, cool, I'll just grab this tray of beignets I made not quite right, and I will go straight out the front door. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And then later she's like, Tilly had the great idea of giving out samples. Like, she didn't ask, but that's cool. <laughs> Maybe she knew that they were quality, but just not the right shape, and they needed to go away anyway. Maybe she was making samples anyway, and that's why they were out on a tray like that. Maybe. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, you know what? It is now a goal, a short-term goal, to have a beignet. I don't know still if I understand what it is, but I think that during the finale, I need to be eating beignets. I will also work on that. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys are going to be having your own finale parties and you're going to include beignets or anything, hot chocolate Please invite cinnamon. us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Please invite us and or... <laughs> hashtag once podcast finale party or something <laughs> what <laughs> i don't know so that we can see or you can just send us send us pictures of your red pepper flake with lasagna and hot chocolate with cinnamon your cheesy pizza that doesn't lie yes there are so many good foods that are once connected cupcakes cinnabon <laughs> that you can say were conjured out of thin air Mm-hmm. With a um, star candle on the top, obviously. Yes, obviously. Did you mention apple turnovers? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> After every bite, you have to drop to the floor, though. <laughs> yes. And then do like a boomerang video of it and send it to us. <laughs> <laughs> I secretly hate boomerang videos. Oh, Except sorry, it's not such a secret me. now. <laughs> <laughs> do you do those a lot? I, I do on Instagram, but... Oh, well, you know, it's very trendy. It's really funny to boomerang a five-year-old eating anything, probably, but <laughs> chocolate cake especially. That sounds violent, <laughs> if you take it literally. I like how realistic Tilly's advice to Margot was, and I think that when you're in a state that Margot was in... You might not be as receptive to it, but I do think that it's important to remember that if you're struggling in a relationship with somebody, probably they're struggling just as much as you are. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, I liked that part, and I liked that within the same episode, we saw Margot get kind of talked down from where she was. But they sometimes, I mean, time is growing short. They need to stop making that girl so terrible. Before they make her good. <laughs> Margot? Well, not just Margot, but like, I mean, Robin in general. Because it was so reminiscent of the flashbacks to Storybrooke when she was a, quote, mean girl. Well, the way she talked to her mother. Which, I mean, that is how families can be. So it's not completely unrealistic. I just always feel like her mean is over the top. Which I guess is very Zelina. I don't know. It's true. I'm, I'm torn about it because she doesn't remind me of Zelina at all. You also have to remember that this is cursed, Robin. I know it is. And there's... But the problem with this curse is that it's been so wishy-washy. The personalities have only been altered slightly. Do you know what was super slight that I just noticed? <laughs> What's that? Kelly's last name is West. Yes. Did you notice that? I did. I forgot about it, but I did notice that. That was great. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, they had a good chat at the end, Kelly and Margot. 
Kelly. I tend to call people who are awake by their real names and people who are not awake by their curse names. So, Zelina and Margot. Yes, thank you for complying with my rules. <laughs> I started out saying Zelina. I'm sure you heard the Zgelly. 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 We are both. <laughs> yes. How many personalities do these, like, how many curses has Regina been through? <laughs> uh, well, she wasn't affected by her own. But she still had a different personality. Like, she had Regina the mayor. Kind of affected, though. Like, she became Regina. Oh, no, he wasn't cursed either the first time. No. It's not working with my theory. Interestingly, the people who, I would say, Rumpel is the only one who was given a new identity in both curses. Well, but I even mean all the other curses, too. This isn't just the second curse. We've had, like, a gazillion. But Rump's awake. He's always awake. (laughs) He's always awake. <laughs> Which he wasn't isn't really true. He wasn't actually awake, but it's how we feel. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm trying. See, I'm foggy. There's there was Regina's original curse, and then then there was. I guess Zelina's she did. Curse. She did it the second. Time. Was it Zelina? Was it just know. Regina and then Zelina? See, I can't remember. No, there was another one. <laughs> It's so silly. But there again, that's the whole we might be done this season thing. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, I don't remember. Do you think Lana Perea was somehow just unavailable for this episode? And that's why they suddenly had Kelly and Lucy bonding time. It wouldn't surprise me. In which Kelly was really bad at it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't really surprise me. Then your dad stays poisoned and we never break the curse. Sorry, I haven't been around <laughs> kids for a while. <laughs> Which, even that, I'm like, well, yeah, it was blunt, but it's also something Lucy would say. So it's not like she's not aware. <laughs> true. Lucy took it like a trooper, though. She just said, yeah, you're really bad at this. Right. I mean, it, it almost would have been funnier if she would have said, well, then your dad will probably kiss Jacinda at some point and then he'll die. <laughs> I guess it was cute bonding, making their glorified vegetable stock. Yeah, so what, Regina was out looking for moss? Is that what I understood? I didn't understand, so I don't know. (laughs) Some kind of magical moss that goes in... Well, why don't they just look for flowers that might grow somewhere near Gothel? Or... Go under the city and look for, I don't know, some kind of crystals. Or, <laughs> I guess, moss. <laughs> I have to say <laughs> that I do really wish I had watched Moana before this season. But I thought of this show again when I watched Moana because of the whole Mother Earth thing. And just the magic came from the Earth. And so, yeah, I mean... I- I feel just, we got feedback, sorry, I did not, I don't recall it specifically who it was from, but we got feedback that was basically frustration with like, is there magic or is there not? Because if there's magic, then everybody who has magic should be able to use it. And if there's not, then why can't, like, why can Gothel and Anastasia use it, but not Regina and Zelina and Rumpel? 
Because it's now a substance that you can just pull and push wherever you want. But Gothel has used it not as a substance. Well, she first had to get... The earth. Plants. Specific plants. And she had to use... So they may try to say that certain plants, even in our land without magic, are intrinsically magical somehow. Or... But then it would almost make more sense if Gothel could do those sorts of things, but nobody else could. I could buy that. Uh, If she has, like, plant-based magic. And so even in our world, she can do some stuff with plants, but other people can't. Like, that would make almost a little bit of weird sense. But Anastasia has just normal, regular, (laughs) legit magic. Oh, you're right. But she's the guardian. And she brought it... uh, Yeah, because other (laughs) magical people when they get brought to the land without magic, don't have their magic. And even in Storybrooke, magic was brought to Storybrooke, but when those people left, they didn't have it. And again, I'm sure this is a repeat rant, but they have always shown us that there is magic in our world, even when it's called a land without magic. The dragon was in our world, and he was a magical being in an unmagical world. Somehow Peter Pan came and abducted Bay from our world, Was it ours or was it fictional London? No, Bay was in our real world. That was the whole point. That's how Emma found him. That's how Emma met him, right? Well, he was. Then maybe that's when he went back. Yeah, I guess. But I don't remember well enough. Plus the wishing well, (laughs) that was magic. But that was the whole point. Henry was like, we all just have to believe. Yeah. Not consistent with themselves very much. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, even in season one, they sort of pulled a little bit of time travel. Did Remember when uh, the first time Regina scrounged up as much magic as she could and she reached through the hat and oh. pulled the apple from the moment that she first put the sleeping curse on Snow White? Yeah, I do remember that, actually. Like low-key time travel right there. <laughs> Was that in the episode Hat Trick? Because I already Probably. referenced that episode today. <laughs> no, I it, think it was no, the it was, next one. It, it was, was a little bit Apple Red as Blood, I think. Yeah, it was like it was like the Stranger Hat Trick, the Apple Red as Blood, and then whatever the finale Apparently, name was. Atlanta season Magic. one was rather iconic to us. <laughs> <laughs> what you mean? Because I have the last four episode titles memorized. <laughs> yeah. And quotes from every single one of them. (laughs) We remember season one more clearly than so much out of the middle. (laughs) Because it was so epic. Like there were in all of those episodes that I just mentioned, there were like epic lines. Big moments. Even the the flashbacks sort of progressed. And there were moments that you were waiting to see. Yeah. (laughs) Make it work. 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 (laughs) We miss these things. Do you think that they maybe wrote this season just for us? And that's why there's a, it's like centered around Henry's podcast. Oh my goodness. Do you mean the most successful podcaster? Yes. He just starts a podcast, apparently somebody else's idea. And then within a couple of weeks, everybody in town is talking about it. And this is a neighborhood of Seattle. And then he gets a job offer in New York. I mean... Do you think the job offer was fake? No. No? You don't think... I do not. Nick orchestrated it or... 
No, because Nick didn't seem to... I don't know. He didn't seem to have any real agenda with Henry until Henry started going, Oh, yeah, we totally figured out Hans. Somebody thinks he's Hansel and he's running around killing witches. And it's because of his sister and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Shut up, Henry. <laughs> Maybe they'll find out that Nick had a sister who died in not real life, in cursed life. Right, since their cursed memories are basically just slightly twisted yeah. versions of real memories. Well, he even said, no, I guess Henry thought that because he just figured everything in the book had to be delusion. So he even thought that cult members killed the the killer's sister. But I don't know. It's It was more of the, here's the story that makes sense to the people who are cursed. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a little fed up with the curse still being a thing. Let's I know. <laughs> break it. Wait, is the next episode called Broken Part 2? Right. No, I have I don't even know what the next episode is called. Wait, I oh, did know. It should have an epic title since it's episode 150. I I anticipate 150 possibly being a little off the rails. Now I want to know what it's called and all I have to do It's like, not that far ahead in our notes yet. What? I was going to look I was going to look up the title of the next episode. <laughs> But I can't. Okay. I feel like the next episode being 150 may be very disconnected from the main story. Why they got to do that? Well, Regina is MIA and she is, now I don't know how heavily she'll be featured in an episode she's directing, although maybe that makes it easier if you are heavily featured in an episode that you're directing because you can talk to yourself internally as you're delivering lines. I think that you are can be in an episode that you're directing because I feel like other shows have had... You definitely can. Yeah. But if it's sort of her first time directing this show, I don't know if she would choose to do an episode that she is featured in heavily or an episode that she's not featured in heavily. But since she wasn't much in this episode, I feel like yeah. she would be in the next one a lot. So, uh, and it makes sense for her to be around, you know, <laughs> but at this point we have six episodes left. Yeah. And if, as I have heard the last two are kind of a joint finale. And the next one is 150. So <laughs> we really have two episodes left, is what you're saying. Three episodes. Three, now, the next one could still feature the main storyline, but that means we only have three to four episodes to wrap the rest of this whole thing up, unless they save part of it for the finale, instead of detaching it. I just don't know, Jeremy. I know. We don't have much more to theorize about at this point, so. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Do we consider writers a spoiler? I would say no, because you've already said. True. Not futures. Oh, yeah, I did. So, I will say this. Eddie and Adam did not write episode 150. In fact, I don't even recognize the names. One or both of them I don't recognize. What are the names? Paul Carp and Brian Riddings or writings. Hmm. After that, David H. Goodman and I don't know if she says Bridget or Brigitte Hales. 
<laughs> just say it different every time. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll come up with some others. Uh, however, the episode after that, Eddie and Adam, they rarely write an episode that is not a finale or a premiere. Interesting. Did they write both parts of the finale or just the last one? Well, after that episode, the last three episodes are written by Dana Horgan and Leah Fong is one. Mm -hmm. Then the last two, the first one is written by David H. Goodman, listed by himself. Hmm. And then Eddie and Adam wrote the last episode, if all of my information is correct. I think that makes sense. It's on the internet, so it has to be. The last... um three that you mentioned are well-known writers mm-hmm. for the show. Yeah. It's too bad. Like Adam, Eddie and Jane couldn't write the finale together. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Ramp up the dialogue a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, So that's what we have coming up. Those are the breadcrumbs leading to the end. <laughs> and no episode titles, please. No, I know what they are. But I'm not going to tell y'all. I'm going to know what next week's is as soon as we stop recording. But because <laughs> I'm going to ask you to tell me. But that's not a spoiler anymore because we've already recorded this podcast. Exactly. Um. Oh, and guys, I had to like fight with the remote to be like, stop, stop, because we got a preview. But it was the what I the scene that I saw from the preview is a flashback that has already happened. <laughs> so it's not even. <laughs> Oh, it's I was like, oh, even... listen to you. You're just going to share whatever spoiler you did get. No, it's a flashback <laughs> from before. It, like, we've already seen. It's not a new thing. So it's Oh, fine. so you're saying in the promo, they put in a scene from a different episode, potentially. Yes, that and already I'll... happened. Oh. Oh, and that would, okay. That or at least an old section. costume. <laughs> <laughs> You probably know exactly what I'm talking about now. Probably. <laughs> it was literally like, it was like if I paused it, it would have been a still from a previous episode. So it's fine. That's all I saw. I didn't even hear anything because I go, la, 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 la. I wish you would actually put that on Instagram. Me going like, la, 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 la. Yes. <laughs> See, it's great for me to hear about your frantic avoidance of the previews because that's what I've been doing for seven years. Right. So have I. Just, well, I mean, we only get them every like 12 episodes or something. Then they'll give us like three in a row and that's it. The little Galaga ship comes by and blows up Kitsis and Horowitz's names. And then it's like, no, no, turn it off. Turn it off. We were all settled in. Now turn it off. Here comes the previews. I can't be spoiled. (laughs) It's a lot of screaming that ensues sometimes if the remote is not handy. Yeah. Is there a Hansel and Gretel song? Um, no nor should there be (laughs) agreed (laughs) it would be so bad (laughs) that's it's a stupid terrible story if you really think about it very long most fairy tales are though right true but there's something particularly creepy about hansel and gretel well firstly their parents are trying to abandon them Ooh, forgot that part and then secondly then their their parents try to abandon them again and also, they, they think make bread candy comes. and beautiful things are, they make them evil and sinister. Well, I think, isn't it like the story of like temptation and how you shouldn't go eat people's houses? Probably. 
even if you're hungry? Or take candy from strangers? I bet you it derived from taking candy from strangers. I think there are probably a lot of good lessons in it somehow, (laughs) and yet all the different versions get lost in the weeds somewhere. There's something about pebbles in the moonlight the first time, and then he ran out of pebbles, so he had to use the breadcrumbs, but then the birds ate them. But I think in one of the versions, he turns into a bird. Ew, that's stupid. Or like a bird talks to them and leads them. I don't know. There's some version with a bird. And then... There's some version with a bird. The witch is like trying to make him fat to eat him, so he keeps not eating the food. But then Gretel... I think, but then Gretel's eating the food, so then she gets fat, and so the witch wants to eat her, but then Hansel saves her by pushing the witch into the oven. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that how it goes, guys? (laughs) Do you think it's a joke that we're now talking about Hansel and Gretel in the last season ever of Once Upon a Time when everybody knows that True North, which I think was episode four of the entire series, was about Hansel and Gretel, and people did not enjoy it? very much at least in retrospect it was a solid episode but at the time it was the first kind of episode of the show it was like four or six or something like that but we can still quote that episode true gravy or butter isn't that funny how in retrospect it's actually a really strong iconic once upon a time episode but at the time the bar was so high we were just like there was so hansel and gretel never showed up again how what a waste little did we know isn't that the one too where we find out that (laughs) emma has her baby blanket and we find out that it's the same because doesn't she get her box of files maybe it is isn't that hilarious yeah she's like looking at it we should do like like reminiscing of season one podcast we should we should at least rewatch season one Yeah, but I think the blind witch was iconic, right? Because she was, like, Emma Caulfield did an excellent job, and then she was even in the underground, or the... The underground. The underworld series, like, the underworld season. Yeah. As the bartender. (laughs) Right. Or bartender, or Granny's was hers. Yeah, but it was a bar, wasn't it, in the underworld? Oh, I think probably. There was another (laughs) bar, but I think, yes. Was there another bar or am I getting confused? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I only know season one and two A. I know. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. A little bit of two B, but. Two B or not two B. On that note, this concludes our discussion of this episode of Once Upon a Time Breadcrumbs. Please share this episode by going to oncepodcast.com slash 335. You can tweet it, Instagram it, etc share it out share it with just one person really helps the podcast you can also follow us on twitter and stay up to date with the podcast the podcast news anything that's happening with once upon a time that we share there and you can find us there at once podcast and you can also follow each of us individually on twitter as we do have lives outside this podcast that we sometimes tweet about i'm on twitter at aaron j cruz i'm on twitter at fleegon that's p-h-l-e-g-o-n and you can also follow Daniel on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. Special thanks to our whole team of volunteers who helped make this podcast possible. Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanis for editing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing spoilers. You'll hear from them in the next episode. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Keb for masterminding our timeline, Daniel, Jeremy, Heather, Hunter, and Jacqueline for hosting the podcast. And until next time... 
They all know our names now. I think it's because we're talking to them instead of stealing anything without anyone seeing us. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode. If you would like to be a hero too, please visit oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support.